On the next Probably True Solar Stories, we end the season where we began, continuing the story of the solar heist, or how I got into the solar business. In this latest chapter, part six, it's all about trust. Charlie finally comes clean about who he is and what his goals are. But will Ma's help, or will he run, or worse? Welcome back to Season 2, Episode 11 of Probably True Solar Stories. I'm your solar storyteller host, Tor Solarfred Valenza. Yes, all good things must come to an end. And I hope this solar noir season of Probably True Solar Stories was as fun for you as it was for me to write and perform. I'll have more thoughts about this season and the next season at the end of the show. If you've recently found out about Probably True Solar Stories, The Solar Heist is part of an ongoing storyline. You can binge the earlier episodes from this season and Season 1 by clicking the links in this episode's show notes. That's where I'd start and then come back to this episode. For those of you who are caught up, good. I'll just remind you that Maz, our narrator, and Charlie, our somewhat friendly developer, who may or may not be an FBI agent, have just confronted Richard Prout, an owner of unsavory landfills. Maz and Charlie want to know who really owns the landfill and the solar project that's being built on top of it. In our last episode, Richard offered a vague identity of the real owner, but then he decided to keep quiet for various reasons. No spoilers. And now, let's get back into it. Roll that la-la music. The Solar Heist, or How I Got Into the Solar Business Part 6. Trust is written and read by Tor Solarfred Valenza. There are certain things people say in a casual way that always bugs me. Like when somebody says, bye, love you. Do you? Maybe you like me. But do you love me? Are you going to wipe my ass or feed me if I ever get Alzheimer's? The other thing I hate is trust me. People say it all the time, but they don't mean it. If you've shown me that you can be trusted, then sure, I'll trust you, now and tomorrow. But if you've already screwed me once, or we don't know each other too well, there's no reason why I should trust you. And you can say the same to me. If you know I'm a former thief, you shouldn't rely on me. I have to show you I can be trusted. That's how it was for me and Charlie. I might have thought I knew him. For a year, he was my friend neighbor, and partner in a Grand Theft International solar panel heist. And then he helped me go legit and get into the solar business. Then we started hanging out together with our wives. That Charlie demonstrated trust with action, not just words. But in the last six hours, Charlie had just told me that he was an undercover FBI agent. And then he cleanly shot Richard Prout, a major player in a West Coast crime syndicate. Then again, I had a past, and Charlie knew that. So neither of us really knew each other anymore. I had to treat him like a mysterious stranger, and he had to treat me like a criminal. That's how things were between us after Richard Prout was lying in the Solar Project's trailer office, blood bubbling from his forehead. I looked at Charlie, his gun still smoking. Maz, trust me, he said. How could I take that seriously? But I played along. 
Sure, Charlie, I said. He knew I didn't mean it, but his Glock was actually loaded. Mine was empty. I mean it, Moz, said Charlie. I'm going to take care of this right now. Trust me. Every time he said trust me, it irked the shit out of me. But I didn't show any annoyance. I wanted him to trust me long enough to get out of the trailer and disappear with Pauline. As if he'd read my mind, Charlie holstered his gun. Better? I shrugged. Hang tight. Charlie pulled his cell phone out and hit a name. In two rings, someone picked up. He left it on speaker. What's the score, Charlie? said a woman on the other end. No score yet. Two men on base, two out, said Charlie. Oakland needs to send in a cleanup hitter, but the game's not over yet. We've got time. I'm going to keep watching the game and see what happens. Charlie hung up. Who the fuck was that? I asked. A friend. By tomorrow morning, everything is going to be cleaned up, including Richie three times body and, you know, his hands. What about me? Well, we need to talk about that. Charlie was about to do some explaining when his cell phone rang again. This time, he didn't put it on speaker, but I could see his face flinch. Understood. We're on our way. Charlie hung up. Maz, it's Pauline and Beth. They're being watched, but not by our people. We need to make things look normal as quickly as possible. Charlie looked over his shoulders, surprised I wasn't following him. Maz, did you hear me? Pauline and Beth are in danger. We've got to go home. That's what Charlie said, but I didn't hear the other side of that phone call. I still didn't move. Maz, now. We'll talk on the way. Trust me. And there it was again. Charlie, my new stranger and ex-friend, asking me for my trust. If it were Richard Pratt or Richie three times asking, I wouldn't have gone. But my old Charlie, the one I knew before that night, the one who tried to help Richie get to the hospital, he's the one that made me pick up my feet and follow him. You drive, he said. If we come back together, it'll look like we were out for late drinks. Sounds good. Getting into my Ford 150 Lightning electric pickup, I felt more like a hostage than a guy on a rescue mission. But then I remembered something. I glanced down at my driver's side door storage. Deep down, next to a solar equipment catalog, was the butt of my other 9mm. If Charlie had seen it, I just would have said to him, Trust me. Charlie, you've said trust me several times now, I said while I was driving. Okay, I'm going to play a game of 20 questions. And I'm going to boost my bullshit detector to 11, because you, sir, are an amazing liar. Fine, Moz. Can you just drive faster, please? Remember, it's not just Beth. It's Pauline, too. Noted. Question one. Is Beth really your wife? Charlie looked at me with no words for a long time. I almost felt like reaching my left hand down for the gun. Then he finally answered. Maz, whatever I tell you right now is the truth, but I'm not supposed to be telling you. When we get back home, you've got to act like you still don't know anything. For your sake and my sake. You can't run or suddenly go on vacation. You can't cancel solar jobs. You can't spend Richard's million dollars in Bitcoin. Do you understand? Because if you do any of those things, Maz, we will both be killed. Even if I go back to my old life, I'll be targeted by Richard Proud's syndicate. And so will you. Plus, my people will be looking for you too. 
so everything I'm going to tell you is the truth, but you've got to keep it to yourself and not talk about any of this unless you know we're alone. Deal? Deal, I said. But inside I was thinking, show me your cards first, Charlie. Then we'll see if we have a deal. There was about ten minutes before we got home, which meant ten minutes of questions and answers. So, the answer to question one, Beth, she is my wife, but we work together. Okay, question two, are you really FBI, or just some kind of informant? Charlie seemed to struggle with this one, and he saw that it frustrated me. No, I was trying to keep it simple for you when I said FBI, Moz. I am part of a U.S. government intelligence agency. It's like the FBI, a little like the CIA, but it's actually part of the Department of Energy. It's called the Office of Intelligence and Counterintelligence, the D-O-E-O-I-C for short. Seriously? Seriously. Look it up. Energy is politics, Moz. I told you that the very first time we met. The spy agencies protecting our oil interests and nuclear tech secrets, that's not the FBI or CIA. That's us. The D-O-E-O-I-C. We do that. But it's a new world, Moz. My division is focused on renewable energy and new energy. New energy is like SMRs, small modular nuclear reactors, new hydrogen technologies, gravity energy storage. The DOE-OIC informs national security decision makers about energy threats. Then we provide scientific and technical expertise. So if your next question is, am I an engineer? Yes. I'm really a trained electrical engineer and a former solar developer. I was recruited a long time ago, so I still have my solar industry connections. The D-O-E-I-O-C. That rhymes? Okay, I'll buy it for now. Tell me more about Beth, who's now best friends with my wife. You and Pauline think she's an accountant. She is, but she's a forensic accountant. She tries to trace the money for illegal energy transactions money laundering, stuff like that. When this assignment came up, we were the perfect couple. And what is your assignment exactly, Charlie? Maz, if I tell you and you get caught by Richard Prout's syndicate, five years of investigations go down the drain. You understand that? I understand. Trust me, I said, and let that settle in. Okay, the short version is that in 2011, the Italians busted a mafia boss who was investing crime money into wind and solar projects. That was in the news. You could look that up, too. At first, the Italians thought it was just a local money laundering innovation. There were lots of renewable energy incentives in Europe at that time. People were getting rich off a solar feed-in tariff. A feed-in what? A feed-in tariff. Fit for short. Or some people call it the FIT. The FIT was a generous solar subsidy. It paid solar owners for every kilowatt hour of solar that they generated and sent back to the Italian grid. The bigger your solar farm, the more money you made every hour the sun shined. So follow the money, right? The mob invested, and the Italians captured this mafioso solar money launderer. But after a few months in the slammer, he talked in exchange for shortening his sentence. It turns out that he wasn't local. He was part of a much larger solar money laundering syndicate. So, a bigger mob organization. It's not quite the Casa Nostra. It's more of an international business syndicate of drug dealers, money launderers, corrupt politicians, and rich tax cheats. 
Think of this syndicate like the Vatican. From the bottom up, you've got priests, bishops, archbishops, cardinals, and the Pope. The man they caught was the Italian cardinal. His day job was being the mayor of a town on one of Italy's resort islands. The entire syndicate met there once a year to discuss the annual returns of their solar projects and where they were going to invest next. As a cardinal, he knew everyone up and down the leadership chain. Okay, so it's the Solar Vatican. Who's the Solar Pope? Great question. Our Italian Solar Cardinal didn't live long enough to tell us. We moved him from Rome to a nicer solitary accommodations. Somehow, he electrocuted himself by taking a bath with a hairdryer. He was bald, by the way. The day before his last bath, he gave us the name of the U.S. Solar Cardinal. Guess his name. Richard Prout. Right. And that's what brought me from D.C. to California two years ago. I thought we were going to get the Solar Pope's name through Richard. And maybe we still will by having Richard's cell phone code. You still have the passcode, right, Moz? Yes, and I got Richie three times phone, too. Good. So based on our conversation with Richard tonight, it looks like Richie three times was the Solar Pope's son. If we can figure out Richie's real identity, that could be another way to get to the top and close down the entire syndicate. So you see... I wasn't lying. This is big, and we're close to catching everyone, Moz. Okay, makes more sense. Now tell me about me. When we met, you knew I knew Richard Prout, and then you moved across the street from me? Actually, no, Moz. Sometimes, and you have to believe me, coincidence, fate, whatever, happens. The imported solar panels for Richard's landfill project really were confiscated by U.S. Customs and my exporter really did screw us. I couldn't get the DOE IOC to make a special call, because then Richard would get suspicious. Besides, the more he helped me with the heist, the more I'd have evidence to convict him and use it for leverage. So it really was Richard Prout who told me about your customs guy and his dog. Max the man and Max the dog. Right. And it's Max the man who said I would need your special authorized transportation and then pointed you out on my Saturday night visit. You just happened to live across the street from me. The next morning, I met you at Phil's coffee shop with my proposal, and you know the rest. And then what? What about our friendship over the last year, Charlie? You've been using me this whole time. No, not the whole time, Moz. It's true, you being across the street... I thought you might help me uncover more evidence about Richard and maybe get to the Solar Pope. So I gave you the free solar system to keep us friendly, but not friends. I had no idea you'd ever get into the solar business. That was all you wanting a legit life. You kept coming to me for advice. And then we really did become good neighbors, solar colleagues, and friends. That's the honest truth, Moz. If you weren't truly my friend right now, I never would have told you any of this. Now I'm trusting that you can keep all of this secret, because as far as I know, my cover is still good. I'm just Richard Prout's solar developer. If my Department of Energy team can clean up Richard and Richie at the solar site, you'll keep doing what you're doing like tonight never happened. And I'll keep doing what I'm doing, building solar projects for Richard's shell company and eventually discovering the head of his solar crime syndicate. What happens to the solar projects after you catch the syndicate? Well. After the syndicate is convicted, they'll be seized and sold at auction. But it's not just the money laundering. 
The syndicate is stealing intellectual property for batteries, inverters, everything, and then they're selling it to other companies in other countries. They're also buying and hoarding critical minerals like copper, lithium, and other rare earth minerals that affect the price and the construction of renewable energy projects. So what you're telling me is they're manipulating markets, commodities, that sort of thing. Right. You've helped protect the technical energy security of this country, Moz. You're a patriot, and people besides me know that. But you can't spend that Bitcoin, Moz. You can't do anything odd. Just be normal. When all of this is over, you're not going to spend a day in jail. You'll be a hero. Trust me. And there were those words again. Trust me. But I believe this new Charlie. He was pretty similar to the old Charlie. So I did trust him. At least I did at that point. When we got home, I pulled into the driveway, and I didn't see any strange cars on the street. It was quiet. But this was Rockridge. It was always quiet. What do we do now? Charlie checked his phone. Well, no more messages. I don't know how they're watching us, but let's just say goodnight, go to our houses, and go to bed. Ready? I nodded and got out. Charlie waved. Good night, Moz. Phil's coffee in the morning? Yeah. Nine o'clock. Sounds good. Charlie waved to me and went to his front door, not even looking left or right. My car door was open, and I could now clearly see my gun in the door's side bin. Taking it with me would not have looked normal, so I didn't take it. I locked up, opened up my front door, and went inside. The lights were off, but I didn't feel alone. Pauline? I'm home. I said quietly. You asleep? The lights went on in the living room. Pauline was wide awake, duct tape over her mouth, and a short, bald, sweaty man with a goatee pointing a gun at her. I knew him as George Oneway. He was Richard Prout's messenger. I, uh, I have a message for you, Maz, said George. When Richard Prout had a dumpster job for me, I got it through a call from George. The last I'd heard of George... Prout thought he was talking to the FBI and disappeared. But abracadabra, there was George right in front of me, holding a forty-four magnum to my wife's head. From Richard? Usually you just call me, George, I said. I had another gun in the living room's coffee table drawer. There were more guns in each of the side tables and in the living room bar. Pauline always complained that it felt like we had the cargo pants of furniture. Pockets and storage everywhere. This was why. In fact... There was at least one gun in every room. The question was, could I get to the coffee table or side table drawers before George pulled the trigger? The other thing was that George wasn't known as an enforcer. He was just a messenger service, a verbal messenger service. So I guessed he could fire his magnum sure. Five-year-old kids do it all the time. Maybe George had even killed someone. But like me with my guns, only in self-defense. George held the gun and looked at me. Maz. The FBI is after me. I guess you know that. And Richard knows that. I've been trying to call him, but he won't pick up. Yeah, because he's dead, I thought to myself. You call him. Tell him that I have been loyal and that I am not a rat, okay? George, you realize he's not going to pick up at 3 a.m., right? He's asleep. I'll call him in the morning, okay? Can you please lower that gun now? No. I need you to call him now and tell him now. He trusts you. He'll pick up for you. George, come on. He's an old guy. He probably doesn't even have his phone on, let alone by his bed. 
No, no, it, 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 it has to be now. I've got a boat. The FBI will never find me, and I don't want him and his international syndicate friends chasing after me. I'll never betray him, Musk, but I need to be with you when I tell him that. You'll vouch for me, and then I'm not with the FBI when I'm saying this. See, that's why I need you right now. George, he's an old man. It's 3 a.m. I don't care what time it is. Just do it. George pressed the magnum to Pauline's head. Okay, just lower it, and I'll try. But if he doesn't pick up, that's not my problem. Got it? You can record something with me on video, and I'll send it to him later. Okay, that's a good idea, but first try him. I pulled out my phone, feeling good that we'd work something out. Of course, Richard Prout wasn't going to pick up for George or anyone's phone call in hell. All I had to do was make the call. So I did. No sweat. And then I did sweat, because as soon as I pressed Richard's name, his phone rang from my pocket. George looked confused, and then he wasn't confused. I saw the look on his face. It was the same look that I must have had when I learned Charlie was FBI or DOE or whatever. George had trusted me. I had betrayed him. And now he was pissed. Of course, George didn't kill me. You know that, or I wouldn't be here telling you all this. You mind if we stop the recorder and take a break? I'll pick it up from here next time. Oh my, yes, it's another cliffhanger. I'm sorry, but it's been fun writing and performing this Solar Noir season for you. And so we're not going to stop here. I'm officially announcing season three. The season is going to kick off in September live at the RE Plus conference. If you don't know what that is, that's the major solar conference of the year. It happens in a different place, and this year it's going to be in Las Vegas. For this live reading, I've written a special Probably True Solar Story that's very loosely based on a true solar story. But if you can't be there with me at RE+, no worries. For more details about the live reading, go to probablytruesolar.com and click on the RE Plus tab to get tickets to the conference and to my live reading. I can't wait to start Season 3. There will be some exciting interactive changes to the show, some opportunities to buy t-shirts and other swag, but as always, we'll be telling educational and entertaining Probably True Solar Stories. The Solar Heist, or How I Got Into the Solar Business, was written and read by me, Tor Solarfred Valenza. Probably True Solar Stories is a production of Unthink Solar PR and Communications. Be bold for solar. Stand out and educate. Thank you for listening, and I hope all of your good solar stories come true. 